when I'm fishing, it's I'm focused. I'm just there. You know, I'm just there. I'm, I'm sort of at one with my boat, with my gear, trying to catch the fish for the, that time. And uh, yeah, just there's no distractions. That's just what I do. This is Fish Tales, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. The life of a small-scale inshore fisherman in South Australia can be challenging, but also rewarding. Inshore fishing refers to fishing that's done close to the shore, usually within a few kilometres of land, and involves fishing for species such as Tommy Ruff, garfish, calamari and the famed King George Whiting. A small-scale inshore fisherman typically operates a small boat, often just one or two people, and may have a small crew or family members helping out. In the upper St Vincent Gulf, they typically use seine nets. The work of a small-scale inshore fisherman can be physically demanding and often requires long hours, early mornings and late nights. Bart Busson is a small-scale inshore fisherman operating out of Port Wakefield in the upper St Vincent's Gulf in South Australia. As a third-generation fisherman working the same waters, he is an enthusiast for the region, the seafood and the market he supplies. I'm Bart Butson. I'm a commercial fisher, third-generation commercial fisher from Port Wakefield, South Australia, and Port Wakefield is about one hour north of Adelaide. Well, I'm a Port Wakefield resident since I was born, 50 years ago, exactly, and my family have been fishers in Port Wakefield for the last uh, 60 years. My grandfather started in the early 1960s. Port Wakefield is the, the head of Gulf St Vincent, and it was originally settled as a port for exporting copper, wool and wheat in the mid-1800s, and it's it's the second oldest port in South Australia, although it's not used now for commercial shipping, but there's still a, a fishing industry that started back then, still operating now. St Vincent's Gulf is uh, an inverse estuary, so the top of the Gulf is has tidal, it has long tidal flats, seagrass meadows, and is quite healthy and is very sheltered as well. So you don't get the ocean swells. It's at the top of the Gulf. The Buston family has a long and storied history in commercial fishing out of Port Wakefield. The family has been involved in the fishing industry for over 100 years with a legacy that spans multiple generations. The story of the Buston family in Port Wakefield began in the early 1900s when George Buston and his wife Florence moved to the area to start a family and a fishing business. They had six children, including two sons, Jack and Harry, who'd go on to become prominent figures in the family's fishing business. In the early years, the Bustons fished for a variety of species using traditional methods such as hand lines and seine nets. They were known for their hard work and dedication to the craft, and their businesses grew steadily over time. Today, the Buston family remains a prominent force in the commercial fishing industry in Port Wakefield and beyond. The family continues to fish for a range of species using a variety of methods, but predominantly the same netting that Bart undertakes. They're known for their commitment to sustainable fishing practices and for their role in preserving the traditions and heritage of commercial fishing in South Australia. Well, my grandfather moved with his family to Port Wakefield in the early 1960s, and he was a builder by trade. 
and he uh, developed dermatitis with his hands because of the chemicals in the building trade at the time. And his doctor said that he needed to do a cleaner job. So he thought he'd try his hand at fishing. And uh, from there, my father, who still fishes now, uh, got involved as well. And of course, for myself as a child, I was always around my grandfather and father with their old wooden boats down at the Port Wakefield Wharf. And I uh, just yeah, grew a love for it from a child. Well, my earliest memories are from actually being on the boats moored in the wharf. So Port Wakefield has a tidal channel that has water for about half a day and then it's dry, just mud banks for the other half of the day. And I remember preschool being down the wharf, working with them, sometimes picking fish out of the nets or helping them pack the fish, which was my favourite. But sometimes they'd be mending nets and I'd just be hanging around like a little wharf rat. My mother told me that when I had to go to kindergarten at four, that I'd have to miss some fishing. So it was around that time, I think, that I decided that I wanted to be a fisherman. Young people can get into fishing through family or community connections, fishing schools or training programs, apprenticeships or mentorships, or personal interest and passion. Being born into a fishing family, however, puts additional demands on a young person, despite the natural advantages of their DNA. I completed uh, Year 12 studies, which was just the finishing of high school locally, and then I just went fishing with my father. You know, I enjoyed it, um, and he uh, bought a license for me so I could experience it on my own, and uh, that was, you know, set with lots of trials and uh, tribulations. So, yeah, I was very fortunate enough to be born into a a family business and I got tremendous support from my family, my father, to uh, yeah, buy the first boat and license and let me have a go at it myself. It felt natural to me. I must admit from now looking back that transition didn't, it wasn't a peak in emotions, it was just, it felt natural. It just felt like, okay, now it's my turn. You know, I started crabbing so I, I went out and caught some crabs and then put them in the market and it just felt normal, not high. It just felt like my natural fulfilment. Sane net fishing is a common method used in South Australia to catch fish species. The nets are large and suspended vertically in the water and are drawn around a school of fish to catch them. Sane net fishing is typically done in shallow waters close to the shore and is considered a very sustainable method. But there are regulations in place to ensure responsible fishing practices. So I'm a, I'm a net fisherman, so we target garfish, whiting, squid, tommy ruffs and snook, and it's very seasonal. So fishing from Port Wakefield at the top of the Gulf, the, the water varies in temperature a great deal. So when the water is temperate or cooler, we get more fish come in from the deeper water, and when it gets hot like it is now, the fish disappear a little bit because the water just gets so hot because it's really only... Uh, a couple of metres deep in most of the areas that we work. So we get garfish for the majority of the year, but we get a few of those when it's warm and tommy ruffs. We don't catch very much whiting or squid at all. And then as the temperature drops, we get some squid will come in and then some whiting will come in after sort of at the beginning of the winter. In South Australia, there's about 35 hornet fishermen left. 
from 300 when I started. So there's a lot less of us. It's highly regulated. We now have uh, individual catch quotas, which was a new scheme that the government bought in a couple of years ago. And from any uh, day's fishing, it normally runs where we go out in the morning, we set one of our nets in a an arc, and then we tow it around gradually into to complete the circle. The nets have to be used in less than five meters of water, and they are not meant to be. They're not allowed to be any longer than six hundred meters. So we we pull them in. Uh, we we connect the the net into a complete circle and pull it in in a shrinking circle until we get to the end. And if we're lucky and good enough and skillful enough, we can put the fish into the cot end or the pocket we call it and uh, bring the fish out, sort the catch as we bring the fish out of the water alive. It's by law, it's mandated that the fish have to be sorted live, one small scoop at a time, sort them into the wanted species and uh, send them to the various marketplaces. A typical day in the life of a sane fisherman in South Australia involves waking up before dawn, setting up the seine net, fishing for the morning and afternoon, sorting and storing the catch, and cleaning and maintaining gear. This fishing is physically demanding, but can be rewarding, and the catch is either sold at local markets or kept for personal consumption. Oh, well, we'd be up at about daylight. Um, I would go to the shed, uh, the family's shed, where we store the the fishing boats. The boats are always uh, fueled up from the day before, ready to go. Uh, We put the ice and the the bins in the boat. Uh, We, so our boats are now trailered and we keep them at our sheds rather than when I was a child, being the wharf rat that I was, parked down the the wharf and left there with the the tide uh, going in and out. That was more fun, but the reality is now that we, we must keep the boats at home because of, you know, vandalism and that type of thing with modern society. But anyway, I digress. The, uh, so we, we travelled a very short distance, less than a kilometre to the boat ramp before the tide goes out, of course, launch the boat, drive a fairly short distance most of the time, uh, up to about 10 kilometres, sometimes as far as 25 kilometres away, and fish along the coast and uh, do one or two sets with the net and hopefully put some fish in there. So we have uh, cool room facilities at our place. We have to be semi-self-sufficient. Port Wakefield is blessed by being on the national highway, so we have lots of refrigerated uh, fish pickup services come past. We have the very good um, SAC Food Express run by my good friend Rick Mezik. He comes past twice a day, picks sorry, twice per week, uh, pick some fish up that need to go interstate. The calamari predominantly go interstate and there's other local um, uh, delivery services that can deliver to the Adelaide markets as well. And so the fish, we, we store them for up to two days before they're picked up. So we're, we have to be self-sufficient a little bit, but we're also very lucky to have that, uh, that highway. Small-scale fishermen can sell their catch directly to consumers through a variety of channels, such as farmers' markets, community-supported fisheries, online sales, on-site sales, and direct sales to restaurants. This approach allows them to receive higher prices for their catch and provides consumers with access to fresh, locally-caught seafood. Recently, we've uh, had trials where we've sold direct to restaurants, 
and supermarkets, which has been interesting. Um, it's good fun. Now, I, I enjoy that side of it because it's more direct with the people that actually uh, end up using the product and you, you see their appreciation. So that drives me a little bit to, to see that connection between Fisher and end user. It, uh, it's very fulfilling and uh, it, it completes the circle. The fishermen are there for the public. We, we don't go out to catch the fish for ourselves to look at and be proud of. We, our whole goal is to provide that service for the community and to see that fulfilled is, is really good for me. They, they take modest amounts of fish, but that's fine. To, for me, it's, uh, it's about that connection and it's about the publicity more than trying to find somewhere that will pay more. It's not about that for me. And I really like it. They occasionally will have promotions where they'll have a chef come in and uh, they'll cook the fish and I'll be standing next to the chef who's cooking fish that the Foodland store has bought. And I can, you know, talk to the customers while they're eating the fish that I caught that was just cooked, and it, it's always positive. It's never negative. So you know, I really welcome that because in the seafood industry, we, we have challenges with competing interests. So it's really good to get that validation that you're, you're needed. You know, what we do is needed. A good day on the water for a sane fisherman in South Australia would typically involve a successful catch of the target species. The catch should be large enough to make the trip profitable while also adhering to catch limits and sustainable fishing practices. Ideally, the weather conditions would be favourable with calm waters, sunny skies and minimal wind. The net would be easy to set up and there would be no major equipment malfunctions or issues. This is rare. Well, I always uh, strive to come back without breaking anything, without breaking anything on my boat or the, or the equipment and have a safe return for the for myself and the one guy that works with me which is sometimes my son which is cool and uh, but I, as far as a catch goes if I can catch about a hundred kilograms of really pristine high quality table fish like garfish whiting or calamari I'm, I'm thrilled with that well I've lots of lots of interesting fishing stories I think no fishing days is uh, is alike but I guess a story that comes to mind is that um, once I come back from fishing, there was a, a couple with a caravan and uh, and a, a ute or a four wheel drive, and they were touring Australia, and they wanted to get some fish directly from the fishermen, as you know, quite often is the case. And uh, I, I said, yeah, sure, we can, you know, I can get you some whiting. And they asked, they asked for you know a small feed of whiting. And then when it came to the payment, they said, well, how much would this cost? And I said, look, I said you've got a van, obviously you've got some yummy food in there would you swap me some cake or some biscuits for these fish? And they looked at me like I was pulling the piss, you know. <laughs> they, they, didn't, they didn't think I was real. I said, look, me and my crew were really hungry. You know, what have you got? And it just so happened that, you know, the lady had baked some cookies that day or the day before and we swapped cookies for whiting and I don't know, that was just a fun story. Inshore fishermen face various challenges including adverse weather conditions, competition, regulations, market demand, operating costs and environmental changes. These challenges can impact their livelihoods and require adaptation and innovation to ensure sustainable and profitable fishing practices. Yeah, it's, it's tough to be an inshore 
fishermen because, uh, as I mentioned before, the competing use is uh, is difficult for the state to manage. Who gets the fish? You know, is it reserved for recreational fishermen? Is it reserved for consumers through the the commercial fishery? So it's a it's a fine balance, and I appreciate the difficulty with that. At the moment, we are transitioning from what used to be uh, a input controlled fishery where they controlled the number of boats and the, the days you worked and the gear you used but now with our key species it's controlled by quota and the, the fishery is is a little um, shaken by that we're still coming to grips with that people are adjusting their businesses and unfortunately some people they're not making it so there's there's not enough quota to go around or the costs are too high so it's, it's tough at the moment Fairfish South Australia is a non-profit organisation that promotes sustainable and socially responsible fishing practices in South Australia. The organisation works with local fishermen, processors and retailers to ensure that seafood products are traceable, environmentally sustainable and socially responsible. Yeah, so I was uh, an, an inaugural chairman of Fairfish. It was a, a, uh, a small... Um, co-op that was put together to try and connect fishers with consumers and it, it was sort of a well Fairfish actually instigated the selling direct to the chefs and the restaurants so it was a and it, it's still running now it, it's had to um, be a little bit diverse because you know it had some uh, struggled times with the COVID uh, pandemic but it's it's still there it's different but uh it's an exciting program that it tries to link uh, the fishes with the consumers and also it, it tries well it does successfully have a hundred percent traceability so at every step of the way uh, a customer can know where that fish was caught who caught it and on what day it was caught the future of commercial inshore fisheries in south australia depends on several factors including changes in market demand environmental changes and regulations Sustainable fishing practices and responsible management of fish stocks will be crucial to ensure the future sustainability of the industry. Continued investments in new technologies and equipment, as well as partnerships between fishermen, regulators and conservation organisations will be required to adopt and adapt to the changing market conditions. Well, I see the future possibly being like a fork in the road. There is possibly a future where we have less fishers, professional fishers, providing a, a great service to the community and being profitable and sustainable. Or we have a fishery that is working its way towards that and then is uh, transitioned to a recreational fishery. So all around Australia, you know, this happens with inshore fishing, that the, the resource is changed to who it's meant to be delivered to and so that that is a major concern for myself as a industry representative and for my colleagues as well even though it's difficult to have you know a monumental change probably the biggest change in any south australian fishery with the reform and the quotas but we're seeing the fish pick up and that excites me because at the heart of it as a fisherman what i want to see is i want to see enough fish for me today but I want to see enough fish for my children in decades time so I don't want to catch too many fish I want to catch the right amount of fish and we're, we're starting to see that now with more finite management so 
I'm excited by that. For career artisanal fishermen like Bart, it is the fish and the next generation that are always key drivers. I'm probably yeah, beginning the probably the last third of my career. I've, I've turned 50 this year, so uh, I'd like to continue uh, fishing sustainably, profitably. I'd like to train uh, my I've, my son. I've got a son that works with me. I've got three sons, actually, and uh, if uh, one of them would continue, it would be fantastic. But, if, but I also have to prepare for if the fishery is reallocated. So there's that too. So, um, but aside from that, yeah, just more of the same. I enjoy any day that's successful. And that doesn't mean catching a whole big bunch. It just means that if I catch what I thought I should be able to catch. So whether it's squid or garfish or whiting, I'm happy. But in terms of what I like to eat, I, I like to eat garfish. I think they're the, the, the best fish there. South Australian icon, sweet and uh, tender, perfect. When I'm fishing, it's I'm focused. I'm just there. I'm just there. I'm, I'm sort of at one with my boat, with my gear, trying to catch the fish for the that time and uh, yeah just there's no distractions that's just what i do the phone's put away so <laughs> there's no no advocacy work to do or no representative work it's just me in the ocean i love it whilst the uncertainty of the fishery and the immediate future is a concern his love for the upper st vincent gulf and the seafood of his region keeps him motivated and enthusiastic about the future it's important for all Australians to appreciate the vital role the likes of Bart play in maintaining the recognition and consumption of regional, seasonal seafood. His story is one of both optimism and inspiration. This is Fishtales, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtails Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtailspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app. <laughs>